What's up, y'all? Welcome back to Why Are We Here? I'm your host, Spencer Crandall. Today on the podcast, we have Wells Adams. You might know him from the Batch uh, universe, uh, Bachelor in Paradise, and all the things. So we're going to get into it today. Let's go. Why are we here? What's up, my dude? You know, before we started recording, uh, you were doing like your radio voice, and I was mm-hmm. really hoping that you were gonna be like, Daddy three seven, <laughs> it's Spencer and um, pork chop in the morning coming at you live wow, wow, from wow. all the sound effects, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh what's up, folks? We got Wells Adams on this morning. Uh Wells, uh, tell us what's behind your head right now. We are freaking out, buddy. Uh, thanks, Spencer, for having me on. It's a picture of my dog. Uh, and later we're going to have uh, Porkchop. He's going to go downtown and find out what's happening at Music City. Bro. What is happening? That's right. <laughs> Up next, we got Chris Lane with I Don't Know About You. <laughs> That's my best impression. That's all I got. You were in it's radio pretty- for a long time, so you're the best judge here. I know. I, to be honest with you, people that weren't in radio are so much better at it than the people that are. Because I'm like trying to like follow the rules of radio when we were doing it, and I'm like, what am I doing? What I'm, are the rules a- of radio? Like, because I always see there's a guy on TikTok, Brew or something like that. Yeah, uh, and he's always like lining up right before a song starts, and it feels like there's some real talent that is needed here. Well, yeah, that's called uh, hitting the post, mm. and uh, yeah, so you've got. Well, I mean, like. Old time radio guys, you would, um, you, when you threw like actual records down or you had back in the day at carts as well, it would say how many seconds you've got until the post hit. So you'd press play and then you'd have a stopwatch timer that's on like old boards still. Dang. So you could watch it count down before you got to shut the hell up before <laughs> what's, you know, like Chris Lane starts singing. Yeah. Uh, and then like now with the technology, uh, it's like a, you know, it's, it's like a line that's like going towards the actual post. And so, yeah, there was, so yeah, you're trying to, you're trying to talk as much as you can without ever stopping playing music. Right. Leaving as little space between your voice and that uh, first lyric. Yes. Nice. I mean, Hey, you know, way better than that. Where are you right now? I'm in studio city. I I left Nashville a couple years ago. That's right. You were just golfing somewhere though. Like yesterday on your Instagram story. Yeah, I was up in Monterey. I'm from uh, Monterey, Carmel area. Okay. Uh, such a rich white kid. <laughs> um, <laughs> so anyways, I went I went up there. Uh, a bunch of my siblings were in town, and so they, they brought their kids. And my fiance is out of town. She's in Toronto filming a movie. So I was like, I'm going to go up there. I'm going to see, like, all my family. And then I'm going to get, like, as much golf as I can in. And then nice. I'm going to jam back down. So yeah, How'd that's you play? where I was. Uh, well, I, I played three different rounds. I played okay, amazing, and then bad. Unfortunately, hmm. bad came at Pebble, but that's just because Pebble's just hard. Is and it? yeah, but like, it's really, it's tough to swallow, like paying $600 and still <laughs> and then, playing bad. And then know? sucking. Classic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I just picked up golf literally like last year. I'm, you know, my best score is like a 94, which I feel yeah. relatively good about, but I have so much to learn. Did you golf? Did you play sports growing up? Yeah, I did. I I grew up 
we grew up on this golf course that still exists called Old Del Monte, which is the oldest golf course west of the Mississippi, which was like our big claim to fame. And we lived on the uh, on the corner of nine and ten. And old old golf courses don't do what new golf courses do. New new golf courses always loop back around at nine to the clubhouse, so you can buy more crap and you know food and beer and everything. But old golf courses went out and came back in. And so we lived on the court of nine and 10. So we, uh, when we had a pretty big yard, so golf balls would, people would hit their golf balls into our yard and we'd collect them and then we'd sell them back to them, <laughs> which was amazing. And then we'd sell like lemonade. And then if they wanted a beer, like we'd go inside and get a beer. So you've and, been hustling since the get. Yeah, man. That entrepreneurial and, spirit. I, oh, oh, every yeah. time I see a golf course, I'm like, it'd be so cool to live here. And then my mind immediately goes to like, but what if somebody gets hit by a ball? Did anything, yeah, yeah. Any scares ever happen with the fan being right on the course? No, but like a lot of windows were sacrificed. Ah, uh, that's what I assumed. Yeah. I bet you just have windows. to have some window insurance or something. Yeah. I think it comes with like, if you live on a golf course, like it's like got to be like grandfathered into the homeowner's insurance. I'm not yeah. really sure, but it's got to be. But uh, yeah, I grew up playing golf, but then I also grew up playing, uh, I, I, Grew up played in soccer and football and bass, everything. And then I went to, um, I went to like this, like kind of powerhouse, all boys Catholic school that hmm. was like really well known for sports and played football and soccer and, and golf, uh, out there. And then, and then I actually went and I ended up going to Old Miss, uh, oh, nice. for undergrad and I played soccer and I played rugby at Old Miss, which is oh, a lot of fun. Yeah. Dude, my dad played rugby in college. That is, I played football in college, but rugby's the next iteration of just fearlessness. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, I see how people think that. I, I completely disagree because... Do you? When, yeah, and I think, like, the big... Pro, the, the CTE, I mean, this is kind of a controversial, maybe, take, but whatever, yeah. I'm going to do it. <laughs> uh, I think the problem that football has um, is with, like, their CTE problem is the the amount of protection that they have the fact that you have a helmet on makes you do things you would never do if you didn't have a helmet on and right. so in rugby you would never one it's illegal but you would never spear somebody you would never go head first you'd knock yourself out like immediately on a knee yeah so all, all tackles are like true to form tackles wrap up bring down with momentum that like if if you were coming at me, I would take you going the way you're going, mm. so I don't hurt myself, don't like break a shoulder blade or whatever, right, and then right. we and you still come down. And so I saw that the Seattle Seahawks were doing like a bunch of stuff with like I think it's Cal's rugby team of like uh, the like the correct and like safe way to tackle. And I do think that like they probably need to do that because just diving head first into someone's kneecap. One is bad for knees and two is bad for like <laughs> your brain, I suppose. No, I, absolutely. Uh, I played a bunch of football and have a ton of injuries. So I, I wish I could go back to my former self and just tell me to play golf. Cause now I love playing yeah. golf and it's, <laughs> yeah, I can actually do that. I always say like wrestling and football are the worst sports to play as a young kid. Cause you can't just go do that. Like I will be go, I will be arrested if I go tackle anybody, but a pickup yeah. basketball game or golf or anything, uh, you're perfectly fine. I wanted to ask you, how did you go from sports and stuff into radio? I saw that you've been doing radio since you were like 16, which is a long yeah. time. Like how did that transition or what attracted you to like communicating with people and talking for a living? So, I mean, 
yeah, like my first big claim to fame was tricking another school to let me have a radio show. So I, like I said, I, I went to this all boys Catholic school. Um, and, but all my friends went to this high school called Robert Louis Stevenson or RLS. It's mm-hmm. in Pebble beach. It's like super ritzy. And, um, they have a radio program there and they had a radio station and it was 91.9 KSBB radio Stevenson. Uh, like I still remember the call letters. I still remember everything <laughs> dial position. And so like one of my best friends, he had a radio show and he invited me to come on as like a guest. And I was like, wait, hold on. So the gig is, is that like, I could, we can play whatever we want. We can talk about whatever we want. And then we can start like creating characters of people that aren't here and like telling <laughs> stories that way. And then we can also convince like bands to come on, like give us free shit. Like, this is amazing. So they let me do a show there, even though I wasn't enrolled in the school. Right. Um, which was awesome and so much fun. So then when I went to college, I was like, I wanted, I want to do broadcast journalism. Um, and so I went to Ole Miss, who's got like a really good broadcast journalism uh, department. And they also have a really hot chicks that go to football games and stuff. So like, it was just like, win-win chef's kiss. Uh, so I went there and you know, they had, um, uh, they had a radio station, 927 rebel radio. And they were like, so you got to take a class to like do radio and I was like, yeah, that's cool. And then then they found out that I had had my own radio show in high school. They're like, you're more qualified to do this than, than anyone we anyone here. Yeah. So here you go. So then I had like, I was like the music director and the program director and that's like sick. did the morning show. And I did a, I did a jazz show on, on Saturday nights between, jazz uh, show. yeah, between, uh, between 10 and two. And I created a character named Dave Garber who actually was, um, was Clint Eastwood's uh, character name in a movie called Play Misty for Me, where he played a radio DJ <laughs> at KRML, and uh, it's actually an amazing movie. And so, anyways, I played all these old jazz songs in my mind. I was like, "Everyone's just fucking to my <laughs> radio show," Spin. and then come to find come to find out, no one was listening to it. They were just like, "Who's playing?" cool jazz at two in the morning. Like four grandmothers <laughs> playing checkers yeah. on their ninth pot of coffee. <laughs> yeah. So anyways, I did all that stuff. And then of course I did like, uh, you know, in, in, in broadcast journalism degree, uh, you gotta, you gotta do television, like the television show. Sure. You gotta do this. I was a sportscaster. I was the weatherman. Mm-hmm. Um, we created little magazine shows and I wrote for the, the newspaper and all that kind of stuff. And just kind of fell in love with like, kind of like the, idea of just uh media in general and right and then i graduated and you know at 20 whatever two you don't really know what you're supposed to do like Mm -hmm. i remember i had a media sales teacher and he was like what are you gonna do and i was like well i'm gonna go do the whatever makes me the most money and they're like well um right out of college like if you go work for like news channel whatever you'll make around 25k but a radio DJ, it's gonna be harder to get in, but it starts around 30K. And I was like, okay, well then we're gonna go the the DJ route. Cause yeah. that's 6K a year is really gonna <laughs> change be my life. Yeah. So in my mind, I was like, well, what do I do? At the time I had two sisters going to Vanderbilt. Um, so I was going up to Nashville a lot anyways. It's a short gotcha. drive from, from Oxford to to, uh, to Nashville. So my sister hit me up and she was like, yeah, dude, there's 
this dope little indie radio station up here. Um, I love it. Come try to get a job here. So I was like, okay, that's my first thought was like, okay, I'll go to, I'll go do radio where they're making music. That mm-hmm. seems like a smart Checks idea. Out. And then, then I was like, if that doesn't work, I'll go to New York. If that doesn't work, I'm going to go out to San Francisco. Like that was my, and then LA, and then LA was me the last. And I was like, that was my thought process of how this is all going to play out. So I got up to LA or I got up to um, Nashville and I went, I went to the radio station. They had a job opening for a, um, for like a receptionist. Mm. And so I met with the the GM and I was like, listen, I, I've, I've, degree in broadcast journalism i've got done radio since i was 16 um i know you don't have like a like a gig open but like i love radio like i'll be the i'll be the receptionist and then like if you need me like fill in or board up or whatever like just I'm your yes guy. i love that kind of yeah. uh, i love that story where you're just like put me in coach yeah exactly uh and they were like oh no we need a we need a new board up and we need a like an over uh i think i was doing a oh, weekends he was like well, yeah we we need a board up we need weekends and i was like great let's do it and i and i made like nine dollars an hour and then i also <laughs> like waited tables you're in nashville right yeah so i waited tables at brick tops on west ends and uh like if at the time so this was like uh 2002 2003 2004 like we had so many amazing musicians they were all belmont kids and mm-hmm. like uh, aspiring songwriters and so it was a really dope time where like i was like burning it bright at both ends because i was like doing uh i was you know like doing like a night sh- i was doing like a brunch say on a sunday and then i had to go in and i'd have to like board up for there's a there's a gig called um Nashville Sunday night at third and Lindsley mm-hmm. and I'd have to board up that show. And then I have to like track my like next day's show. And so I was like never sleeping and like hanging out with all these musicians at brick tops and like looking back. Oh, and I lived, uh, I lived in buddy Miller's house. I don't know if you know, who buddy Miller is, mm-hmm. but he's like one of the most amazing musicians in Nashville. Um, he was, he was Robert Plant's band leader for a long time, like in his band of joy. Um, and so I lived in Hillsborough village in buddy Miller's house across the street from <laughs> buddy Miller. I had this little porch where I had a kegerator and all my buddies would, all my musician buddies would come and hang out over there after our shifts. And we'd sit there and we'd watch Robert Plant and Emmy Lou Harris and Jeff Bridges Jeez. and T-Bone Burnett <laughs> walking into the house. And we were all just like, at the time, like drinking beer, smoking cigarettes, being like, Jesus Christ, look at it. Look at all these people. They're Holy all famous shit. people. Uh, and I remember like Buddy calling me up and being like, I need you to help me move this old two inch reel recorder. And I was like, hell yeah, buddy. And, like brought like all my buddies who were like, just like crazy. Do you need nine like, of us to do that. Yeah. So we all came over and we were like looking around cause his entire downstairs is still a studio. He's built a studio. Oh, so, cool. so yeah, it was just like that. That's how it started. I was just, uh, burning a bright at both ends and like just hustling my ass off. And then eventually you know, someone quit or someone got promoted or someone got fired or someone died. Like all these things happened where like, I just started moving my way up mm-hmm. the chain. I started, so the station's called lightning 100. Yeah. That was the station I worked for. Uh, uh, it was a triple a, it's an indie station. I imagine most of your audience is country, but this is kind of like an indie station. I started doing nights when I went full time. And then the program director was a guy named David Hall 
and he passed away kind of suddenly. And he had, he had, uh, the truth of the story is that he had tracked a show uh, uh, in advance and then passed away. And we found out that he had passed away and he was going to be on air. And that was weird to me. I was like, I don't think that's good mojo at all. So I went in and retract his show. Mm. And because I was just like, I feel like he shouldn't be on the air. It would not be live. So I tracked his show and the bosses were like, all right, well, you're the afternoon drive host until we figure this out. And that's how that happened. And then eventually I became the morning show host. Um, and that was a lot of fun. And then, and then, yeah, I heart came a calling a couple years later. And, you know, I, I, I felt like I had kind of like done all I could have done at, at lightning and mm-hmm. moved over to iHeart. And then iHeart did the thing that like every corporate, you know, juggernaut does and says, Oh, you're good at this. Okay. Go do it 17 different ways for us. <laughs> so we can extract the most amount of your talent for the least uh-huh. amount of money. Uh-huh. So for three years I did, uh, I did the alt morning show, um, I did afternoon drive on the classic rock station. Mind you, I'm like, look, yacht, like low thirties doing a classic <laughs> rock show. I feel like that's the easiest show though. Cause it's like, nobody comes in. No, like it's just people know yeah. what they're there for. <laughs> yeah. The, the, like the musical guests you'd have in aren't, aren't really, uh, alive anymore. <laughs> exactly. So you're, you're kind of fine in that respect. Uh, and then I did nights on the CHR station, the, the pop station, the river. And so I just like lived in a studio for like f- four years over at the iHeart building right there on, on Music Row. So that's kind of like my kind of little journey into radio. And then, you know, a bunch of other stuff happened and I moved out to LA and I was still doing terrestrial radio for iHeart out here. And that's why I built this studio because I was gotcha. like tracking shows for them out there. Yeah, yeah even though I didn't live in LA anymore. How long did you spend in Nashville total? Like 10 years, 12 years? 12, yeah. Yeah. Do you miss Nashville at all? This is the most hipstery, douchebaggy thing I'm probably going to say. No, it's probably not going to be the most <laughs> douchebaggy thing I say on this show, but we'll, it's we'll one of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I miss what Nashville was when like I was there, like in my heyday. Sure. Uh, it changed while I was there, and, and th- there was a moment where I, I remember going to a a bar and I was like, I don't recognize what this is anymore. Mm. I used, I mean, <clears throat> but, um, it, but it changed, it's changed for the better. Obviously people are making more money and you know, uh, it, it's great. But when I was there, it wasn't like this cool place. Like in the beginning, it wasn't this cool place. Interesting. Uh, and like, I, I took a little bit of ownership of like having a little bit of making a mark on like the cool factor of that place before it turned over to like very broy. Like I came in and we were, we were doing cool stuff with like, with, you know, Jack White came in and then we were like, we, one day we programmed a show once where we said, Jack, we're going to play your entire record all day long. <laughs> <That's> like, <amazing. laughs> 
And he was, they were like, yeah, okay. Uh, and then like, you know, Alabama shakes came in and the black keys came in and I was kind of there for all of that. And we were putting on these like crazy shows and putting on live on the green. And, yeah. and I felt like we were really helping kind of like build like the cool factor of the city, which got out. And then all of a sudden it turned to like pedal taverns and like, yeah. You know, like you're like, what is happening down here? Yeah, no, it, it's crazy because there's there's almost <clears throat> two different Nashvilles. There's like the very corporate bachelorette party uh, Broadway Nashville. There's like almost a strip of street that people go here for. And then there is like East Nashville and bands coming up out of nowhere. Even rock. I knew, uh, you know, obviously we're very known for country music and I'm in country music. But so many of my peers are especially nowadays in pop music and other, other genres and I do know from all the people that have been around here, they're like, man, this place has changed so much and so dramatically. Uh, what is what is the number one thing that you miss about doing radio in general? Because now obviously you're in the podcast game, you're in the TV game, but like, is there something in the magic sauce of radio that like you miss? Yeah, I love doing, I really love doing my morning show over at Lightning. Mm-hmm. Um because I really was just kind of given a green light from a bunch of people that were just like, we don't really know what the ratings are anyways. So just have at it. <laughs> and and I did like some really silly, stupid stuff, stuff I probably couldn't get away with to this day or today. But, um, but like looking back was like really fun. I had like the arsenal of like, 10 interns that just wanted to be on the radio. And so I could get them to do a bunch of stupid stuff. Um, but the thing that I miss the most, I mean, I couldn't do it now. I'm, I know I look great, but, uh, I couldn't do what I did before. Like uh, the, the amount of burning it at both ends that Mm. I was pulling off in my like mid twenties and early thirties was insane. Like I, I remember, so I did a morning show. Now I didn't have a producer. It was just me. So at morning show started at six o'clock. So I had to get there at four to prep my own show, mm-hmm. get everything ready, like write my bits, like figure out like what we were going to be doing that day, uh, prep for interviews, whatever. Right. And, and then, so then that, that show would end at 10. Um, and then usually around noon, I, we'd have a music meeting cause we were all kind of, we, we kind of programmed that station like by committee. It was like, everyone cool. was kind of involved. So we'd have music meetings with, you know, record label reps and all that stuff. I'm sure you've had to go into a bunch of, you know, music meetings with asshole program directors and try to convince <laughs> them to freaking play your album. But I, so we do that. And then I remember I'd like, I'd be like, I got to take a nap and I would take a nap. And then I would usually track, like we did like specialty shows. I did the show called the 615, which was like just local music, which mm. was really cool. And like That's a great, dope. like give back to the community. I, we do that. And then I remember, let's see, uh, on, on Monday nights, we did something. Uh, what did we do? We did, uh, I did something on Monday nights on Tuesdays. I hosted beer bands and bingo, uh, over at tin so roof. Did you on ever sleep or what? <laughs> no, on Wednesdays, I hosted a cornhole tournament over. I don't even know it's there anymore, but uh fat bottom brewery. It was so much fun. On Thursdays, I had a night off, and on Fridays, I did Friday night. Oh, what was it called? Uh, Friday Afternoon Live, and it was over at uh, Soul Shine Pizza, which I think is gone. It is, and I, yeah. I, yeah, and I had to book that, which was so cool. <laughs> I had Chris Stapleton play that before like, anyone knew who he was, dude. <laughs> was he still in like, the steel drivers or what? 
Yeah, like, and he, he was just like doing like we had we booked him for like a, like just like this random solo like him on a guitar and like I just remember being like yeah, I mean I was obviously very like knowing of who the steel drivers were but like this wasn't station in like this was a pizza place right. <laughs> on friday night but anyways all to be said like so so i wouldn't go i just wouldn't sleep and i drank a lot and, oh, and then of course like i lived i i don't even know if i still am but i used to be on like the the forever guest list at the basement the basement east mm. Uh, so like I would just go there like every night, <laughs> every night. Cause yeah. you know, all my friends and stuff. And then of course, like if we were doing a show like over at war Memorial or, right. or the Ryman or whatever, generally I'd have to go like bring the band on. So I get all fucked up and then I have to wake up at four again in the morning oh and go God. back and be like, let's go. Baby. <laughs> so you're like, I miss nothing about radio. It was fun. <laughs> I like I, I, I miss the fact that I can tell you those stories. Like yeah. the, like looking back, it was like the fact that I was doing it was crazy. But like my brother, who's a bit older than me, he would come out and like he would be like, "Your life is insane." Like you, <laughs> like and he was like he loved it. He was like this nonstop. Like I remember I brought him out, and this is me very niche for like the indie crowd that you that you have listening. But I brought him out for Halloween one year. And we went to like the Avit brothers at the Ryman one night. And then we went to exit and Jacob Dylan was playing and it was kind of a sleepy show. So we went across the street to the end to go watch a band that no longer exists, which bums me out called Apache relay, but they were Mumford and sons opening band. So they were like getting a bunch of buzz. Yeah. And then Mumford and sons the next day played at war Memorial auditorium that night they did a secret show at the station in and it was like Darius Rucker, Old Crow Medicine Show, uh, Mumford and Sons, Holy the shit. from Apache <laughs> Relay, all getting on stage at Station Inn, which is tiny yeah. if you know about it. Mm -hmm. And then the next day, Grace Potter did on like on Halloween, did an entire set dressed up as Dolly Parton. So obviously oh, she had right. some <laughs> fake boobs on. And oh, she, I remember her being like, She's a piano player. She was like, I can't fucking see the keys. <laughs> and, we, and afterwards, my brother was like, this has been the craziest week ever. And obviously yeah. that was crazy. Like that, that wasn't the norm, but it kind of was the norm. Like there was just yeah. always something happening and it was a good time in my life for sure. Yeah. I mean, obviously now, uh, very different. Like last year to go from times like that into like just straight up quarantine where you can't leave your house feels super different. I'm sure. Oh Yeah. Yeah. Now you have two podcasts though. Yeah. Correct. You have, uh, your favorite things and the Wells cast. Yep. You have one that's like kind of more chill with Brandy Cyrus, which is like, uh, when I listened this morning, I loved it. Cause it's like really just you guys, like just positivity in the world. Like, okay, this is what we like. And this is kind of what's going on in our lives. The Wells cast is like a little bit more interview style. I listened yeah. to the uh, the Daughtry one this morning. I was like, oh, I fucking love Daughtry. That guy's yeah. great. <laughs> I haven't heard about him in a long time. So I was like, what is he up to? Um, You've you just been in the game for a long time. I'm very new to the podcast game. It's a very interesting yeah. uh, space right now. And I was like, man, I just love podcasts. I would love to just talk to cool people. What is your like biggest podcast? Like what what makes you think, okay, that's a good podcast? And then what do you think is like, a big tip for a guy that's just getting in the podcast game as a, uh, as the podcast King yourself. Yeah. I don't know. I'm the King. I've just, it's funny because <laughs> I remember, I remember 
you know, whatever it was 10 years ago, people being like, you need to do a podcast. And I was offended. And I was like, I have a degree in broadcast journalism. I mean, back then it was heresy. Oh yeah. And it was like, it was like Mark Maron's WTF and like, um, and this American life. Those are like the two podcasts. And everyone was like, you need to do a podcast. And I was like, screw you, man. Like I have, I have four radio shows. (laughs) Like I went to college for this. Like, I'm not going to do something that everyone can do. That was a bad call. Wish I had done it because yeah. I'd have a lot more listeners because I would have built up a, had more time to build a bigger following. Sure. Um, I, I think, listen, the problem that you have now and that I have as well is that the market is so saturated with stuff. Yeah. Um, everyone in this district has got a freaking podcast. Hell, I got two of them. <laughs> uh, and I shouldn't. I, I know that. Um, so I think that like my big piece of advice is make sure that you have something to say, uh, like a story to tell or like a shtick mm. for your show that separates you from every other podcast right. um, there is out there. I mean, like when it comes to YFT um, that I do with Brandy, like when we started it, something was happening with Miley Cyrus, her sister, and she was getting like destroyed on social media. And this was years ago, but Mm. it was like bad. I can't even remember what it was, but something bad was happening. And I had just come off of doing the bachelorette or paradise or something. And I was getting a lot of heat for something. And we were, we were at the time we were tracking a a pop show for iHeart. And I was, and she was like, we should, I was like, we should do a podcast. And I was like, yeah, okay, great. But we need to have a shtick. Like we need to have some, something to say, a story Mm. to tell. We need to be different than everyone else. And she was like, well, I am so sick of, you know, how negative this world is. Cause she would just tell me the story about Miley. And I was like, I hear it, man. I'm getting dragged through the coals. I made out (laughs) with Ashley Iconetti and then dumped her and something stupid. Right. Right. And, um, and, and she was like, I wish we could just talk about about things we liked, just about positivity. And I was like, great, there's your stick. It's just stuff we like, you know, like yeah. think movies we like to watch or shows we're binging now or books we like to read or music we like. And so that's my thing to you is like, uh, you know, figure out like what the shtick is and then, you know, lean into it, which I feel like you're doing a great job of. Well, thank you. My, my uh, I'm a songwriter, so I like couldn't start without a hook. I was like, why? It's the same thing with a song. I'm like, I'm not going to just write uh you know, I'm sad. It's like, why has no one ever said this before and all this stuff? So, uh, my three favorite kinds of podcasts are like the chat ones that like, how, how did you build this kind of a thing? Like career stuff. And then I love, um, you know, kind of like the Joe Rogan, Pete Holmes, just like weird questions getting to the deep stuff. So why are we here? Like me and the guest, why are we here at this point in our lives and career? And then I have a big old stack of cards that we get into at the end of like some of the deeper, weirder universe kind of questions. I love, oh, I love it. religion and spirituality and aliens <laughs> and just weird shit that I feel like, like I've heard a lot of interviews with you. Nobody's asked you if you believe in aliens, nobody's asked, you know, so like I want to have a couple questions up my sleeve towards the end. So I felt the same way. I was like, if I start a podcast and it's just like, you know, just a podcast, I, I like almost can't do it. So I waited yeah. until I had some sort of hook and uh, it's been fun so far. I, I I feel like the podcast game is so different than music. Uh, did you know, like, post-Bachelorette uh, and Paradise and stuff that you were going to get into the podcast game? Is that kind of the end goal for you? Or, like, did you think about going back to terrestrial radio? 
Oh, I went back to terrestrial radio. Uh, and I, no, it was never my, it was never my plan. Honestly, how it happened was I was working for iHeart. I'd come back. Um, I had a night show on the river, uh, which was the pop station. And I was like, this is going to be like my, my ticket out. I'm going mm. to, I'm going to be the next Seacrest. Cause he was also, you know, he's also pop. Mm -hmm. And I was like, what I'm going to do is I'm going to have a, um, I want to, I need a syndicated show and I'll do it out of Nashville. And I, I was the only pop star that I knew in Nashville was Miley Cyrus now she wasn't there, but I knew her <laughs> sister. And so I was like, Brandy, you and I are going to make a show. Uh, and so we're going to get it syndicated. And I did the whole thing, recorded the entire thing, sent it to, you know, the big wigs at iHeart. Oh, so you pitched the show that you have now yes. to iHeart. Interesting. Yes. Uh, sent it to, to, to Tom Pullman and, you know, uh, all the like the head guys yeah and they didn't bite and i was like and i'll say, say it now because i don't really give a shit i was like you guys are so dumb <laughs> like I, I like i have the i have the biggest pop star's sister and then i get to be on i'm on a tv show once a year for forever Literally. and yeah and and you're you're not okay fine and so then i made the podcast and then they, at one point they came and they tried to buy it from us. And I was like, absolutely no, no, not. No. You missed your chance to do yeah. that. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely not. <laughs> uh, even though I still, I mean, like the Wells cast, I do do through iHeart. But sure. uh, yeah, so that's how, how it happened. And yeah, my plan was, was to try to build up my resume more in the radio space. And then I came out, I was having to come out to LA a lot because I was doing... I was doing paradise as the bartender. Mm -hmm. I was having to do a bunch of like different gigs and stuff. And then started getting offered like correspondent roles, red carpet, uh, correspondent stuff on E and all this kind of stuff. And it was yeah. like, maybe, maybe like my journey down the radio road is, is kind of over and I need to like really kind of lean into this TV stuff, which, which I have. And it's been, it's been really good. You've been killing it, dude. It's been so fun to watch. I, I followed Sarah just from like being a modern family fan, like five years ago, back in college, it was kind of like my comfort show. I'd be like doing homework or whatever. And just like, it's just such an easy, you know, watch or whatever. Followed yeah. her and was just like, Oh, I love her. And like Ty Burrell and just a couple of these people. I'm like, just got to follow my Instagram. You popped up on my feed around some sort of time within the last, you know, however many years. And I was like, well, this guy's awesome. And he's hilarious. And I started to follow you. And through that time, it's been so fun to watch your journey and your story, like, um, just start off as like, Oh, that's, you know, in my brain, I was like, Oh, that's Sarah's boyfriend. And then now I'm like, so invested in you and what you're doing on paradise. <laughs> and I feel like so much of bachelor nation is like, uh, rooting for you. I, I, you were obviously, um, somebody who people wanted back because now you are the guy who's coming back once a year. Do you love that paradise gig? Is that so fun? Yeah, it's a hard shoot. If I'm being like really honest with you, it is. It's it's because it's really it's long, really long hours. Like reality hours are not like you know unionized scripted TV that like yeah. you have to break at lunch for crafty and you know <laughs> it's not like that. It's uh, we film 24 hours a day, and when gosh, that's things brutal. go wrong, uh, you better be there. But I also love it because 
<clears throat> reality is kind of like radio in, in in the way that like in radio I never got a, a to do a pickup. I never got to like do a redo. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's like the red light hits and like you better hit your punchline. You know, you better hit the post or whatever <laughs> and you'd better do or you or you're out yeah um and so reality is like yeah there's no redo so i love that aspect of it um and also like it's long hours and i don't sleep a whole lot and then especially now i've got like a lot more um i've got a lot more jobs because chris is gone mm. but um but all that to be said, I film a television show in a place that's considered paradise. I mean, it's Mexico. <laughs> I'm looking out to the beach the entire time. Like, I'm the bartender, so, like, drinks are all free for me. Uh, and <laughs> and I and I don't have any skin in the game in terms of, like, I don't have to date anybody. Yeah, the drama's uh, not yours. Yeah, You're just yeah. the observer of the drama. It feels, yeah. it feels like the dream job. is. What is, like, your favorite job that you've had in your brain? Or is it more like, like when people have asked me a similar question, I'm always like, it's more that it was just a great job for the time. But do you have a job that stands out to you that's like, man, if I could do that forever, that's that's the gig right there. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I mean, the, the Paradise, I like doing the Paradise gig once a year. Like, yeah, yeah. give me a couple months to, like, get my sleep back and, like, and, and forget. I always say, like, we have revisionist history on things that, like, mm-hmm. uh, we love. Like, y- y- you will, you know, PTSD block out, like, the, the moment that, like, you realize you hadn't slept in three days. Um, I've had a lot of really good jobs. I, I was a bag boy at a golf course early on. I mm. loved that. Um, I was a roofer for a while and I absolutely loved that. It was, dude, it was I like did landscaping for two summers, like some of the best times of my life. <laughs> yeah. I can't even explain it to anybody. It was so fun. I don't know why. Yeah. Getting to be outside and, and doing whatever, you know, mm-hmm. you know, some manual labor and like seeing that, like a, get, getting to see something being completed is 100%. very, very fulfilling, you know? Yeah. I waited tables for four years. I hated it. I absolutely <laughs> hated it. I could never remember the menu over at Brick Tops. I would just make shit up. People were like, what's in the hand? What's the Hannah Ranch ribeye? I'd be like, oh yeah, it's Asian flavors. <laughs> and they're like, what are Asian flavors? I, you know, soy sauce and pineapple. I remember my boss heard me and he was like, literally none of the things that you just said were in the Hannah Ranch Not ribeye. Not even fucking close. <laughs> is in the Hannah Ranch ribeye. And I said, yeah but I sold it, didn't I? He's like, yeah, fair enough. But also like, maybe learn the menu. You're like, nah, I'll get him with my Dude, charm. I worked at Play It Again Sports and I'd have oh, these, yeah? these choosy moms be like, what's the better helmet? The Rydell or the Rawlings? I'm like, oh, definitely the Rawlings. Five yeah. stars. You know, they have the crash course. I'm just making shit up, just spinning yeah. yarns. But I was hucking helmets, dude. <laughs> <laughs> the good times, the good times. Okay, that's, that's I do awesome. actually want to get into uh, the bigger stuff with you because I feel yeah. like um, the point of the show is to ask people who I think are super smart some of the bigger universe questions. Pretty much the reason I started the show is because I just drown in existential crises and I want to ask other people what they think about yeah. big stuff and and hopefully that will give us some answers to to the things. Do a quick Let's do it. shuffle. Here we go. Question number one. Uh, what is something that has dramatically changed your life in the last six months? Oh, um, well, COVID has dramatically <laughs> changed my life in the past six months. I, yeah. And also like my perception of people because of COVID has changed. And I was very angry for a very long time with how people were dealing 
with this whole thing. Mm. Um, and I, it's personal for me because my fiance is immunocompromised. And so, um, she, yes, she seems healthy and thin and fit, but like people don't realize that those people also can have like no immune system and like can be totally effed if like they get sick. Right. Um, and it was like one of those things of like, I was getting very, very frustrated with how people um, could could forget about people who uh, just could be selfish. Yeah, that the lack of empathy. Yes, and, and and I also, I mean, not for nothing, but like the correlation between the the people who have like zero empathy for this type of stuff are also the people who are like the most religious and who um, who like have somehow like missed the whole point of like what I feel like Jesus's entire message was, yeah, with, yeah. you know, and, and that, and it's, a, but it's a little more deep seated to me because I get a lot of people talking trash to me on social media. And I swear to God, every troll <laughs> that I've ever had has some Bible quote in their, in the in bio, their bio. And I'm like, the the irony is so immensely insane to me. It it's crazy. Every TikTok comment I've ever had, it's like, kill yourself. You're a piece of shit. But yeah. you go to the Bible, Philippians four thirteen. Yeah, just a child <laughs> of God, forgiven. Which you know we're we're all hypocrites or whatever. But it, it yeah. is just interesting, and I, I totally understand that with your fiance. That must be so frustrating. Yeah, it's it's tough. But I uh, like I guess I was trying to get around to the point of like in the last six months that like. Um, being concerned about like my fiance's well-being is an important thing. Um, but I was, I was also like letting it get to me and mm. I started to realize like that that's so unhealthy for me to do. And yeah. so I, so I adopted in the last six months, this, like, I can't control anybody else. I can only control what, what I do and say, uh, but I'm not going to let like anyone else's actions like affect me anymore. Like, cause it was starting to like really, and it was also, it's, it's, familial for me you know like there yeah. are people in my family who are aren't thinking that way and i'm just like i just gotta let you guys live your life and i gotta live mine and that's been helpful it's been like kind of a, a very therapeutic thing no i think that's beautiful i my manager and i almost every day we get to some point in some sort of conversation and it always ends up being like well can we control that no yeah. so we just can't give our time and energy to it i, I think that's beautiful i i retweet is all i'm saying uh <laughs> question number two what is a daily habit that you're proud of? And then I'd also like to hear one that uh, you're, you'd wish you could change. Um, I try to go on a run every day and that's hard to do, man. The daily it, run. Yeah. And I, I'm pretty good about it unless I'm like super hungover, but I actually can <laughs> do a good hungover run. Um, I try to go on a run every single day and I like listen, to, listen to books on tape and stuff. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, or audible and, and I've, so I can seem smart when I'm around people, but then I also <laughs> turn it off a lot and I do a lot of like thinking and, yeah. um, and, and a lot of like kind of putting things out into the universe stuff, uh, on those runs. I love that. And I read something that like, you know, like Einstein, like some of the, like the smartest people in the world, they, they'd go on like multiple walks a day. Uh, and, and I do think that's like super helpful. Um, something that I wish I didn't do every day. I wish my, I wish I could be away from my phone more than I am. Oh, dude, it's the number one answer on this show. Yeah. Everyone's like, yeah, my phone, my phone, my phone. Yeah. It's, 
and I know it's not healthy. Um, but I make money on my phone. That's, that's one of the problems. So I'm like, I, there's a, there's a little bit of a responsibility that I've got to it, but yeah, I wish I could, I could separate myself it, from it. It's brutal, it. man. Cause I, it's my job. It's your job is like social media and uh, responding to comments and growing your podcast and, and making sure that when you're on TV, that people see it. So you're reposting and you're sharing and you're, and it's our lives and we're so grateful for it. Yeah. That's in one hand. In the other hand, you go down some stupid rabbit hole or you're reading the comment that says kill yourself. You're like, this cannot be yeah. good for my mental health. Yeah. All that stuff is so tough. Do you have any strategies of like, I'm selfishly asking at this point, <laughs> how do you get off your phone or do you sleep with it in a different room or anything like that? Uh, no, I don't. And I'm bad about it. Like, I wish <laughs> I wish I was better. I I, I'm not though. Me too, um, dude. It's brutal. But we'll give yeah. ourselves some grace for today. Yeah. Thanks. Um, when you're the laugh, bleh, when you're laughing the hardest, who is usually with you? Ooh. I mean, this is so a gross thing to say, but, say uh, it. but it's the truth. And like, if you, if Sarah was here, she'd be like, no one fucking thinks Wells is funnier than Wells. <laughs> and it's like, honestly, like me, like I, like I can make myself laugh. And I also, it's like a weird thing where I think it's a coping mechanism. Uh, cause I'm a very happy, jovial person. Sure. And so like, I think I figured out a way to like continuously entertain myself amongst, you know, pandemics and like terrible things happening sure. around me. So, uh, yeah. But then Sarah, like when I'm with Sarah, she's like, she's like one of the funniest people in the world. And, um, and also like she's so, cause I come from a radio. So all my stuff is improv, right? Like right. I used to On do improv classes. Yes. So I used to, so I, I, I love that, uh, type of humor. And then she comes from like this, like very structured, um, like, uh, you know, she did Broadway and then mm. obviously she was acting with some of the best actors in, in comedy and stuff. And her stuff's very structured. And so like our c comedy is kind of funny going back and forth because she'll sit and think about a bit and then like present it to me. And then I'm like, okay, okay, cool. And then I start to like start to build <laughs> upon it. And then we can go kind of go back and forth for a while, which is, which is a really uh, wonderful thing uh, when you're stuck at home for a year. Oh now. yeah. I was thinking earlier, I was like, man, if he was going to start, you know, his third or ninth podcast, you and Sarah would have a great podcast. Cause I, I watched oh. a video of you guys today and I was like, just the banter and just like, even just throwing you guys questions or topics and just letting you just go would just be great. Yeah. We've thought about it, but, uh, we made a rule pretty early in our relationship that we wouldn't work together. Interesting. Um, yeah. And we kind of, we have, and we haven't really stuck to that. Um, but yeah, I think, and it was something that we're, we're going to, unless like the money's real good, uh, <laughs> we're going to try to stick to it because like, I like that she has her stuff and I, and I like that I have my stuff and like vice versa. I think that she's like yeah. very proud that like Wells is doing Wells's thing, you know? Mm -hmm. And you know, there also is that little thing of like, I'm very aware of, of her star power in conjunction to like my own relevancy. Um, and I think that she also is as well. And I think that like, it would be a weird thing. Like we did a podcast would be like, this is Sarah's thing that like Wells is hitching on, mm. uh, or the perception of that would be, or I think like how be they perception. would sell it. 
Yeah. I, or maybe that's how that's like my insecurity about it. Yeah. So. But I totally understand that. And I, I, I feel like all those reasons check out. But I was I was very curious. I was like, that had to have entered his mind, not because like, oh, I could get all her fans, or obviously that's that's gross, but I think you guys just have such a natural chemistry that people buy into immediately. And I saw that on social so early. I was like, oh, I just love watching them together. So it made sense to me. Yeah. Okay, next question. Um, what is the emotion or feeling you deal with the worst? Um, ooh, the emotion or feeling that I deal with the worst. I... I, I would, I guess, anger. Mm. Uh, but I'm also very good, like, compartmentalizing myself and, like, separating myself from the situation. Yeah, I would say that it, it takes a lot, but if, I, if you get me, like, riled up, I can get, like, very angry. Mm. And, but also, like, if you, oh, man. Yeah, I'd say anger. I don't really have a... No, that's a tough one. Anger is so weird because you can just feel it kind of tipping over your control, and it can be a little scary. Like, not that you're going to do anything crazy, but just that you're like, oh, man. Like, there's some emotions where you're just like, okay, I know why I'm feeling this. I'm going to bottle it up. But anger, if you get... I mean, I'll speak for myself. When I get really angry, you're like, whew, okay, what am I even feeling? It's such a visceral feeling. It's like hot and sweaty, and you're like, whew. It's yeah, it's got to be an evolutionary byproduct, right? Because it can be. make you do things that you would never normally do. So, yeah, like I'm sure that like when our forefathers were being attacked by wolves and stuff. Like yeah, adrenaline and all mad. these chemicals yeah. that kept you alive. Yeah. Yeah. Now it's like, you know, like Roberta from <laughs> Tulsa telling me that, you know, like I'm a piece of shit and I need to find Jesus and you know like I'm going to hell that's not where I should be angry you know yeah well I get the same blood boiling <laughs> shit so I get it. you know Roberta from Tulsa unfortunately too well yeah I think that might be uh my aunt uh if you could choose to do anything for a day what would it be you got a free day give me the the wells perfect day uh and I can be anything yeah I want to be an astronaut. Oh, nice. You want to go to space? I, I 100% want to go to space. Dude. I'm seeing all these rich assholes <laughs> going up into space. If Bezos can shoot a penis-shaped rocket into space, <laughs> yeah. you and I deserve some commercial space travel. Yeah. Uh, also, like, Bezos Bezos brought that, like, old lady who, like, already was an astronaut. Like, yeah. you've already been up there, lady. Like, Seems redundant. You know? Like, spread the love, Bezos. <laughs> Um, I, I, and I do, I firmly believe that like, we're all going to get to go up there, dude. Uh, I, I do too. And it's like probably number one or top five in my bucket list is to just look down on the little marble that we live on. I think that would, the perspective you've had, you would have up there. Yeah. Insane. Just to be like, Oh, none of this shit actually matters. (laughs) Yeah. I wish, I really wish Bezos had brought like there's got to be like the president of the flat earth society. I wish that like <laughs> they brought him up there and then he had to come down and be like, guys. Uh, so about that, I have a big old <laughs> conference that I have to speak at on Friday. 
Yeah, I feel like that would just be a, a pretty easy way to show people, hopefully in, in the future. That actually yeah. brings me to my next question. Do you believe in aliens or just give me your hot take on, on the space people that are watching us? 100% believe in aliens. Yeah. Uh, I don't think this, I don't even think there's a question. Like the FBI, I know, I, d- d- you should have opened with this because I could have literally done an hour <laughs> of this stuff. Uh, yeah, I think that now the, the government's having to release all this stuff after right. the TikTok video or the, not the TikTok, the TikTok video of like, uh, Colonel Fraber released all that kind of stuff. Uh, there is no doubt in my mind that there are aliens. And I think that straight up, I think if you go like really down the rabbit hole, which I have with the aliens thing, like there's a lot of stories about there being UFOs or UAPs, whatever you want to call them, uh, over like nuclear power plants and like mm-hmm. nuclear warhead facilities. And like there'll be a bunch of flying saucers in the air and all of a sudden they'll like shut down all the nuclear bombs and stuff. That's fucking crazy. <laughs> I know. And I, and, and I'm, I'm of the opinion that like they're trying to save us from ourselves. Like I, on oh. or, or, or they are us and they're like, we got to go back and help them out. Like they're us <laughs> like evolved like a million Is years a down the road. time travel situation or just like a, just us evolved like humans, but same experiment done with a million years in the future. Yeah. No, yeah. I don't know if it's time travel uh, or if it's just like, you know, there's, they could have like seeded all of these planets mm. and, you know, and now they're coming in and checking in on, you know, one of their little atriums and being like, oh, this one's looking good. Oh, no, they have Fuck. figured out how to split the atom. Uh, M2499 <laughs> is, is just fucking up again. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I'm I'm 100%. It feels actually wild to me that you would be like, yeah, I think we're just alone in this infinitely expanding uh, place. I, I'm with you. Um, yeah. What is a question you have about religion, spirituality that you wish you could ask an expert? Oh, questions are big. So no wrong answers. So this is a religious question, religion or spirituality. Like if you don't subscribe to a religion or there isn't one that you're like dying to, to know, like, is there some sort of teacher that even if it was just a tip on how to deal with something like what, if you had someone that you deemed an expert in some spirituality or religiousness that you deemed uh, right or good or true or pure what is something that you're like, I struggle with this. Do you have something for this? On the religion standpoint, um, my question would be kind of derived around the devil. It's always been something that's very been very confusing to me because if you have this all-powerful, you know, omnipotent being that can create world at the snap of his fingers, uh, well, then you can erase this fallen angel very easily Mm -hmm. and then there could be nothing but good and i understand well without good without light there can't be dark and without the dark there can't be light and without good there can't be evil and all that kind of stuff and then you kind of bring in choice and free will and all that um but it does seem like kind of a glaring hole in the whole like theology of it all sure Um, it's it seems to me that god could very easily um smite down the devil uh and then we wouldn't have you know have to have places like the saint jude hospital and stuff like that you know like no 100 percent, dude that's that's the thing that just haunts me in this whole conversation is that like 
okay, the the thing that is this creator that, according to this book, is all loving, all forgiving, all knowing. He just like happens to allow this really, really shitty being to exist too. Yeah, he could wipe him out, but then he's choosing not to. And to me, the paradoxical loop you get is like, okay, well, if he chooses to allow that, then is he all loving? If part of that, like, I don't think as a human, if I allow somebody to get murdered, you could be like, he's an all loving guy. So yeah. I don't know if I can extend that same grace to God. And it, it, it baffles me. And I'm always, I'm searching for these same answers. The, the problem is for me, I don't think we ever get them. And, uh, but I love asking people cause I'm like, what the fuck do you think about any of this? Yeah. <laughs> One of the weird things though that I feel like I've really come to find is true is um, putting out like what you want the universe to give back to you. Yeah, like the secret uh, almost. Yeah, and like you need to say it and um, by saying it and affirming it and like telling people and like believing it's already going to happen, then the universe can align and it will happen. Mm. And I think that that's what also what prayer is. When you pray for something, you're saying yeah. something over and over again. Like I want this to happen. I need this to happen. It's and it's like this weird thing of like it's easier for the universe to align with what you want than it is to not. Yeah. And and I I wonder. Then you start getting into string theory and <laughs> multiverse and going going way down a weird rabbit hole. But like maybe the answer is is that what you want can happen if you say it because it's easier for the universe to align into something that you've already put out into existence than for it to create something that you haven't. Mm. I don't really know, but it's I think something that's beautiful, that, like, though. I yeah, think that's I great. Would, I would like to talk to some like Carl Sagan or someone about like Same. what is that? You know, yeah, hundred percent. I think we all get caught up on the naming of these things that we feel. So like Christianity calls it prayer. Maybe somebody else calls it meditation. Somebody else calls it manifesting. And then we all want to fucking kill each other about the naming. Yeah. It's like, it's all the same thing. You're asking yeah. whatever it is out there to help you <laughs> or whatever. It, it's kind of baffling to me. Okay. I got one more question for you and I'll let you go. You've been so gracious with your time, man. I really enjoyed this. Thank you very much. Yeah, man. Um, when was the last time you had a gut feeling that you were doing exactly what you're supposed to be doing. Ooh. I don't know, but I am such like a big gut guy. Hmm. Uh, I can, can I, can I go the reverse? Sure. Can I, can I, get, can I, the, the one time that I had a gut feeling that I was like, get out of here. Absolutely. Man, not. Um, yeah, I was doing, I was doing a, I was asked to do a job and nothing, nothing sat right with me about the gig. Like for whatever reason, like I kept on being like, I don't know about this. Like, I'm not mm. sure. And so, um, I, I had to figure out a way to back out of said job. And, and that's not something that I would normally do because a man of my word and all that kind of stuff. But like, for whatever reason, like I felt like the gig was not what I was supposed to be doing, uh, like with, with my career. And then I ended up filming like an, a pilot, an episode mm -hmm. and meeting the, the person I was supposed to do the show with. And, and like kind of like all of my fears were realized oh, no. and, and, I got out of, I was able to get out of it. And then because I was able to get out of it, 
like really, really cool things have come my way that I would have mm. never been able to do because I would have been uh, exclusive to this one thing and I wouldn't have been able to do X, Y, and Z. Yeah. And so, yeah, I'm like a big gut guy and I, I, I don't know. I, I thank God that happened. Dude, I love that. But I, I love, that's my kind of favorite story of like, I kind of went through the shit to know like what it wasn't. And now that I'm here, the only reason I'm here is because I know what it wasn't. And that's what I relate to so hard is the like the failure or the trial by fire or trial and error. And like, I love those kinds of stories because when you know you're in the right place, half of it is just knowing where the wrong place is. And I feel like that's your story. That's my story. That's so many people I talk to is like, I tried this and it was close, but so then I went here and then. So I, I just love that kind of a story. I'm, I'm actually glad that you gave me that answer than, than the other. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, dude, thank you so much. I really appreciate you. I'm uh, I'm just a huge fan. I can't wait wait to watch Paradise uh, when it comes out. Is that August 16th? Yeah, baby, it's around the corner. Let's it's go. A, it's a really good one. Like, and it's also like I imagine you've got you. I don't know if your audience is split, but I imagine you got a lot of like g- guy fans. Yeah. Um, and like I, like a lot of guys are like, I don't watch that stupid show, and I'm like, I totally get it. I totally understand. But, like, if there is one show you should watch, it's Paradise. Because, one, it's a comedy. It's a funny show. Two, um, it's so stupid. Three, <laughs> uh, it's just a bunch of hot chicks in bikinis, like, the entire time. Uh, so four, like, your girlfriend or fiancé or wife's going to be like, thank you for watching this with me. Because, like, you get, you're going to get into it. And you're going to be points. like, I can't believe Joe's now with her. <laughs> What's going on? Um, and then it's a bunch of, like, kind of douchey dudes. Uh, and you, you can make fun of it. It's like the best show for dudes to watch. Don't you don't need to watch the other two shows, but that one I do think. Uh, and then of course, girls are listening to this. They're like, yeah, I love the show. So no, dude, I, I agree. Retweet. It's uh, me and my ex girlfriend watched it, and half of the fun is just sitting there and pausing and be like, okay, do you like so and so or what? What the fuck are they doing? It's the best, man. It's awesome. I can't wait for the new season. I appreciate you, man, and we'll uh, we'll talk again soon. Thanks, dude. All right, thanks, man. See you, bud. All right, y'all, that was another episode of Why Are We Here? I'm your host, Spencer Crandall. That was Wells Adams. He is just uh, quite the renaissance man. He's been all over the place with radio and TV and uh, just love watching him and uh, his now fiance on on the gram. They are quite the follow. So check him out at Wells Adams. Uh, That's really it. Make sure to subscribe and uh, drop a comment. Follow us on Instagram at whyarewehere underscore podcast. We have a bunch of uh, great guests coming up in season one. I think we're going to take a break. So then uh, probably like a month will go by and then we'll hop into season two. So stay tuned for all the things. Make sure to follow, subscribe, like, and we'll see you again next week. Much love, y'all. Peace.